You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. Uh, I hope this this show finds you driving to see some family, perhaps, uh, for your Memorial Day weekend, trying to trying to get together maybe with some family uh, as we kind of all come out of uh, out of the situation we've been in the last few months. Hope you're all doing well. You're safe. Uh, we're we're here to provide you a little bit of uh, a little bit of fun for the next 30 40 minutes. We're going to be answering your questions today as we do every Monday. And here to help me do that are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Any Memorial Day plans, my friend? Man, we still are trying to fix up our property here. So we got the duck houses built and we got a duck run all fenced in. My entire holiday for the rest of my life, every holiday ever, is apparently going to center around me doing <laughs> some projects for some kind of little creatures. Now, it's been a lot of fun. It's just been a lot of work trying to get everything done. And it's now very, very hot here every single day. So it's just a lot of outdoors work, but it's been a good time. More importantly, we had real football news that happened over the weekend, guys. Eli Manning got a Twitter account, (laughs) and he is exactly what you expected. He is Tom Brady, but like as the dad version. So it like (laughs) lacks the real confidence, but it's just all the corniness without the confidence, and it just plays so great for Eli Manning on Twitter. What do you think about this, Craig? Oh, I think it's wonderful. Uh, Eli, you know, kind of comes in with his joke. He's like, hey, hey guys, you guys, what do you, what do you think about this? How, how about this? You know, like there, there's no oomph behind any of it, but the jokes are still good. Like the, he's still got a little heat on some of these jokes. It's just he doesn't have the real true confidence to pull it off. Kind of like he, he acted like when he was playing football. <laughs> he was good enough to do it. It just didn't really have that confidence. It's like if Tom Brady wore a button-down, ironed collared shirt. Like, that's the vibe I get from Eli on Twitter. Um, All right, let's go ahead and get into some of these questions. We have a five-star review question. If you like what we're doing on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel with the laboratory, with the AP Editor Show, with, you know, uh, from the podium, all that stuff, feel free to leave a five-star review, subscribe. Uh, We won't let you down, I promise uh, but we answer the five-star questions when you leave them. Uh, and the question here is uh, over or under on t- uh, is 2.5 uh, 2018 draft picks making the team in camp. Under. I, I think this is an easy under for me. Derek Nottie is most definitely making the roster. And then I think that Armani Watts is probably making the roster. After that, I can't tell you that Dorian O'Daniel is guaranteed a spot on this team. I can't tell you that Breland Speaks is guaranteed a spot on this team. They just don't have enough 
you know, job security in what they do. They've been drafted over. They've, you know, this this organization has found other guys that they like better and that see the field more. And even in the opportunities that these guys got, they didn't show enough to really hold a spot on the field. So I think that it's two. So I think I'm going to take the under. So when they say in camp, do we mean at the end of camp, like making the final roster here? Sure, let's do that. But yeah, I'm with Craig here. This has got to be under, right? You have, you got Derek Nani's making the team. And then I think that Armani Watts is going to make the team. I think that they like him on special teams and there's not a ton of competition at safety. I could almost say the th- same thing for Dorian O'Daniel. I'm just not 100% sure if he is going to be able to pull it off. I don't know if he's revered on special teams. I know he's made a lot of big plays, but I don't know if he's great about it. I guess another one to consider here, do you count undrafted free agents as part of the draft class? No. Okay, then Byron Pringle, I mean, he's going to make the team, but we can't put him on here. He's the best of the bunch besides Nadi. Byron Pringle. Just going to throw Byron Pringle's name out there one more time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for me... I think I'm going to go over with a couple caveats. I don't feel good about it. I don't think it's like, I think the, and I think the most important thing about this is I think the fact that we're having this conversation two drafts removed from it is really sad because really the reality of the 2018 draft class is it's Derek Nottie and a bunch of fringe rosterable players that are easily replaceable. And, you know, if there was an influence from maybe like a Dave Tobe, for instance, I think you could make a case that there's only one guy left on this roster by the end of the year. I think Armani Watts and, and Dorian O'Daniel specifically, you know, they, they've played heavier roles on special teams. I think that's really their only chance of making this. If, if the special teams wasn't as big of a priority for this organization, I think those guys are gone. Because I think you try to replace them with a little bit cheaper um, and, and give a little bit cheaper talent, give somebody else a chance to try to be more than a special teams contributor. Because that's really the outlook for those two players. And then Breland speaks. Psh, I I there's I don't have a ton of hope for him. I don't think he's making this roster, but uh, I do think there's a good chance Dorian O'Daniel and Armani Watts make it. All right, APNerdSquad at gmail.com is the email address if you want to ask questions. Aaron B did that. He asks uh, Jamal Adam is Jamal Adams is unhappy in New York, and contract talks have reportedly reached an impasse. He's under contract for 2020 and 21 uh, before the option of a franchise tag in 2022. So potentially has three years of control left before any extension. Knowing that he'll cost or knowing that he'll be the highest paid safety when that time comes, and extending him would come at the cost of other important players currently on the roster. Would you give up a first rounder for him right now? If not, what would you be willing to give up? Oh, man. Yeah, I'd give up a first rounder for Jamal Adams. I really would. I think that he changes the defense in a big, big way. We talked about McKinney. We talked about Delpit. We talked about some of these other pieces that they could put and kind of form that Bermuda Triangle in the center of the field. Jamal Adams is also a phenomenal blitzer. He's he's Landon Collins. I mean, he's like that kind of chess piece that Steve Spagnuolo, we know, already knows how to use. So in that regard, you're giving him a cost-controlled weapon for two years, potentially three. Now, here's the issue. Jamal Adams wants to get paid this year. That's that's why he wants out of New York. It Now, part of that's because New York, you know, came to the table and they went, oh, you want to get paid? Well, maybe we'll feel out, you know, a trade talk and everything like that, but... He wants to get paid this year. 
the Chiefs cannot take on another big contract with everything going on. So if he's got to be paid, the Chiefs have to sit that one out. Cheesy Chiefs emailed as well, uh, and he says, Hey, friends, I want to hear your thoughts on a couple of specific scenarios involving the proposed 4th and 15 rule. Scenario one, the Chiefs are up by two scores with five seconds left in the Super Bowl. Uh, The Saints have the ball at the one-yard line. The Saints punch it in to make it a one-score game with one second left. Is it fair to give the Saints a free Hail Mary on their from their own 25? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think it's completely fair if that's the way everything plays out. Like, is that much different than, I mean, I guess having a kickoff? Like, I don't think there's much difference there, right? I mean, Drew Brees can't throw it that far down the field, so it's especially fair for the Chiefs. And Michael Thomas can't run a route that far down the field either, so... <laughs> They're gonna have to do. They'd have to do the Tyreek Hill, uh, Hail Mary with Alex Smith was here against the Cowboys. Okay, scenario two: uh, the Chiefs have just scored on the apo- on the opening drive against the Texans. Andy decides to take the fourth and fifteen play instead of the offense. Big Red rolls out the punting unit. Bob's head explodes as he quickly throws out his return team. Townsend runs for twenty. Chiefs roll fifty-one to seven. How many days before Bill O'Brien gets fired? <laughs> Townsend. Well, yeah, he's he's making a prediction. I think the real important thing is he's predicting Tommy Townsend to make this football team. Well Your done, Husky cheesy chief. Ain't making the team, Maddie. Kenny Powers. No, 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 no. All right, let's go to the Twitter questions. We got a lot of good ones, and uh, we're gonna try to get through as many as we can. Our dear pal, the Clan McLean. What is more likely? Uh, Mahomes has forty five hundred plus yards and forty touchdowns this forty plus touchdowns this season, or. Lamar Jackson improves on his 4,300 total yards and 43 touchdowns from 2019. I think A is more likely. And as much as I would just like to come in here slandering Lamar Jackson's ability here, it's not even what it's about. I think teams just adjust to what they see in the NFL. Last offseason, you saw every team went and studied the Rams and the Chiefs. They figured out how to stop McVay. They figured out how to try to stop Patrick Mahomes. And I think you did see success on some levels. I think with the Chiefs especially, there was injuries that played a part. But teams or coaches spend all offseason, they're trying to figure out how to be the best against the best in the year prior. Lamar Jackson was absolutely unstoppable at times last year, especially during the regular season. Teams are going to try to figure out how they go about stopping him, how to slow him down. I think as they slow down the Ravens' rushing attack a little bit, and you force him to throw more often, those numbers are only going to come way down. I think you saw anytime he had to throw, he was much less effective. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if Lamar Jackson gets to play with the lead as much as he did last year. I, that definitely played into what they did particularly well, so I'm very curious to see how that goes. But yeah, like Matt said there, you saw teams make a concerted effort to take away the deep over. That's, that's where the Chiefs made their bones in 2018. In 2019, they tried their hardest to take that away, maybe by rotating an extra guy back because they didn't have to worry about the Chiefs' run game. Now you do. Now you got to worry about Clyde Edwards-Alaire a little bit. You're going to see some defensive coordinators that are going to try and take him away a little more, along with Travis Kelsey, and maybe trust their corners to hang a little bit more, maybe a single high safety. It's just going to be a lot different because there's that extra piece that the, that you know defenses have to really focus on in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So 
I think that it's A. I think Mahomes is going to be over that. Yeah, sweep it. I, I think, you know, Mahomes, that seems like an extremely attainable number for him if he plays a full season. And Lamar's really, like, if he's going to hit those marks this year, he's got to really improve his consistency as a passer, just flat out. Um, and you saw that in the playoffs. He's really got a long ways to go. And his, I mean, we'll see. If he's going to sustain success for his career, he's got to become a better passer. I just I just want to throw this out here real quick before we move on to the next question. Guys, we're talking about 4500 yards and 40 touchdowns as being easily attainable. Let, let's <laughs> go know. back. Let's go back 4 years ago oh. and have conversations with ourselves and let let them know it's like, "Hey, by the way, it's coming. Don't worry <laughs> about it. You don't have to worry about it." I don't think oh, that it's man. easily obtainable. It's just very obtainable. And if Lamar Jackson improves on what he did last year, like that would be oh, that man. would be almost just as or even more absurd. I mean, what this past year, t- Mahomes' touchdowns were down, but even with it missing some time and being injured off and on, he still had over four thousand yards. And he just, I don't know. It just seems like it's very something that is obtainable. And Lamar Jackson going above last year's numbers would just be, un- I mean, unheard of. Yeah, that could be the peak for Lamar. We're going to find out. We're going to see if he can sustain success. And Russell 2018. We all know which team is coming in first in the AFC West. Yes, the Chargers. Uh, But which team would you like to finish dead last? For me, it's undoubtedly the Broncos. The offseason narrative of Drew Locke is the next elite quarterback has gotten old. Um, I know I just told the joke, but I actually think the Chargers have a good chance of finishing last. Um, I, I think Gruden, you know, he'll keep them above water. I think the Broncos will make some strides and I think the chargers are going to take step backs because I don't think Tyrod Taylor and, uh, and Justin Herbert this year is really going to be a, um, a, a clean season for them there. I think it's going to be murky and I think they're going to lose some football games. Yeah. I want the chargers to finish last because they're the only team that, took a quarterback high last year. If the Raiders suck, they might have a shot at drafting a good quarterback. Same with the Broncos, if they just moved on from Drew Luck because he fell completely apart. The Chargers are tied to Justin Herbert right now, unless they're going to go full Josh Rosen on this. But as it stands right now, give me the team that doesn't need the quarterback next year you know, being the worst team in the in the uh, division. I'm going with a similar mindset here. Is I'm thinking about it from like which team do I want to or which team has the lowest overall talent, and I want to have kind of like the highest pick. I don't want to see the Chargers get another high pick. I think that defense is shaped up to be really good. They do have some weapons on offense and need some help, but like their team's borderline scary on the defensive side. I really like what the Broncos have done on the offensive side. So, like, both those teams are on the verge of having a dominant unit on one side of the ball. I don't need either one of them picking in the top five to ten. Put the Raiders up there. They'll do some kind of weird reach, like picking Damon Arnett or something like that in the top five <laughs> anyway. Like, they, their roster doesn't scare me in the slightest. They can add another elite talent to it, and I still don't think they're on the verge of being great on either side of the ball. Whereas with the Broncos and the Chargers, like, I think if they continue to add to their – offense and defensive respectively like they could start to really rival what the chiefs do the best with those particular units makai and mnm7 asks when mahomes masters his pre-snap read will it be okay to assume 40 points per game uh that's an interesting question makai i've got a small it's not really a rant it's just like it's almost like a pet peeve of mine and I, this is not directed at makai this is not directed at anybody this is just something i feel like i have to clarify like every five or six months and that's okay 
Um, there's been this, like, I get a lot in my mentions and stuff, this, like, distinction between pre-snap read and post-snap read. And I just, it's not a good representation of what is happening for a quarterback on any given play. Um, and it's like, it's like, you know, predetermined reads. I hear that comment a lot of times too. And it's like, that's just not a great representation of what is happening. Um, a pre-snap and post-snap read are, are if it's, 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 a, it's more of, it's not like a rigid process like that it's a fluid process that starts before the snap and ends after the snap and there is a lot of information that is being gathered during the game during the play every single play but there's so much information being gathered from monday to sunday as they're as they're preparing for the game and they're looking at all these looks and they're making these decisions and they're, they're getting and gathering information to give their best guess before the snap. And then once the ball is snapped, they are getting confirmation on that first split second. Now, these guys are so good that they're able to make those decisions and those determinations on whether they were right before the snap occurred extremely quickly. Like it's literally just one player moving one step and they're like, got it. That's how quickly those pre-snap, those those, those post-snap processing can happen, and like I've, it's it's a fluid process, and like I hear like like I heard I used to hear Alex Smith, Alex Smith's good pre-snap and he's bad post-snap. That's not true. That's just not the reality. Alex Smith was a quick processor and he was processing through the play. He was just not gutsy enough to challenge the areas that he could have success. He was too thoughtful. He was too calculated. He knew where he had options. And he was processing the play fine. He just wasn't willing to challenge it. And finally, the last year, his job was challenged and he started challenging the things that he he, he started, you know, challenging down the field. So it's it's more of a think of it more as a fluid process. Mahomes processes things at a high level for a 24-year-old. He really does. He gets caught from time to time, but that's where the athleticism to react to things not going the way he's anticipating and the way he's processing, that's where the athleticism comes into play. And he gets got every now and then, but he just he creates out of it. I do believe and I think he's done a really good job processing pre to post. I think he's done a really good job overall. And he's got outstanding vision that's going to ultimately help him long term. Um, and it's just a matter of him seeing things. He doesn't get beat twice on the same thing. Um, and I think he's well ahead of where he needs to be. Sorry for that rant. It's just I people try to really box in pre and post snap, and it really it just something that needs to be clarified from time to time. Kyle K asks question for the smartest Craig in the entire world. <laughs> Now that Thornhill, Juan Thornhill is back and Breland will be unavailable at the start of the season, could we see Juan Thornhill play corner and Sneed play safety? P.S. Please bring back the mustache. It is sorely missed. My my goodness, I didn't realize we were having a guest today. I knew you were going to go with something very like that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> By the way, the mustache is not sorely missed. It's It's right where it should be shaved off somewhere <laughs> else uh no i think that we are going to see sneed play boundary cornerback that's where he was most comfortable at louisiana tech if you listen to the ap editor show last week they had sneed's db coach on there honestly they felt like he was 
the only guy that they were comfortable with moving to safety from cornerback. And so he did it out of necessity, knowing that it was probably going to hurt his draft stock. And his DB's coach agreed that it did. He thinks that corner is the spot for him. Steve Spagnolo has said multiple times that corner is the spot for him. Juan is a true safety that can play deep, great angles, great vision, great ball skills back there. Put those two in their best places to succeed. Sneed at corner, Juan deep. Android Barrow asks, assume the Chiefs will be the number one offense throughout the season. How bad could the defense be ranking-wise and the Chiefs still win the Super Bowl? 32nd, 31st, 30th? 28th. The answer is they can be the 28th ranked (laughs) defense and still win the Super Bowl because they were five inches from a misplaced hand in 2018 from winning the Super Bowl with the 28th ranked defense in the (laughs) NFL. So there is your answer because the Chiefs would have gone on to mop the floor with the Rams that year. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, we're going to take a break on that little spicy take and uh, we'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called the future of work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts All right, we are continuing to answer your questions from Twitter, and here we go. We got Chief Boy RDG. I like this question a lot. Who's the player that you think has the most potential to contribute but is buried on the depth chart next year, like Byron Pringle was last year, or was this year? I'm going to go with Colin Saunders. Colin Saunders has Derek Nottie, Mike Pinnell, he's got Steve Spagnuolo wanting to kick his defensive ends inside, you know, kind of take up some of those interior reps from him. Colin Saunders has an uphill fight to get playing time. I think that we are going to see a guy that if he was on another team, he'd be getting reps. You'd be seeing him out there on the field. You'd be seeing him learning on the fly a lot more. He already spoke to, you know, the fact that it seemed a lot slower by the end of the year with the reps that he was getting. But I do think that they've just got enough depth, enough guys that this organization likes that Colin Saunders is just kind of kind of be sitting there going, okay, well, when is it my time? It may not be this year. We may not see a whole lot of him yet. For me, this question's real easy to answer. It's rookie Lucas Nyang, and it's just simply because he should play offensive tackle, and you are behind one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL, and then another very good above-average left tackle in Eric Fisher. I think you could kick him inside and you could play him at guard, and that very well may happen. I'm expecting just right now for him to be more of a swing tackle, be a backup tackle, a guy that's ready to play tackle next year, and therefore be buried on the depth chart. I think he has all the talent in the world to be an above-average starting offensive tackle, if not even better than that going forward. So I think he's the he gets the Byron Pringle nod this year. Although Byron Pringle is another pretty good guess. 
I was going to go with Byron Pringle. Thanks for doubling up there, Maddie, because, you know, there's so many options you with this football team because they're I so operate. not set. You know this roster's <laughs> not set, and, you know, there's really a lot of turmoil, and it's not a very good roster, so you, there's a ton of options. You can here, pick McColl. So. I'm going with Byron Pringle. <laughs> Shorty Jalove. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Shorty. Uh, what do you think is the future of Travis Kelsey knowing Mahomes' contract is coming and the love he has for his tight end? Or is it going to be a Tony G situation again? I think Travis Kelsey is going to get another multi-year contract in Kansas City. I don't know if he finishes his career here. I mean, I think that I would love for him to get to. He's been one of my favorite Chiefs since he got here. I think it would be great. And I think I don't think that Travis Kelsey will limp along to a very mundane career for like five extra years like some other tight ends or just players in general do. I think after he sees it's gone, he's going to call it good. Just seems like he's got other interests. And I think that he's going to get, like I said, another two to three year extension coming up here pretty soon with Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. I hope that he finishes his career here. I think he can win a couple Super Bowls, really start to challenge some of these records that tight ends have going on if he stays here. It's just a matter of where does the Chiefs cap situation go and how early do the Chiefs start looking for a replacement for him? Because I think that's probably going to be coming up in the next couple of years. All right, Casey Thief 22 on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being no concern at all and 10 being we're screwed. <laughs> How worried will you be slash should be or should Chiefs Kingdom be if we don't get that second Super Bowl victory before the Mahomes mega contract hits? Uh, is there anything lower than 1 I can go? I am not scared whatsoever about whether or not the Chiefs win a Super Bowl before Patrick LeVon Mahomes' big contract hits. And that's mostly because Patrick LeVon Mahomes has a chance to be the greatest football player in the history of the world. It's not hyperbole, it's reality. What he has done already is unprecedented, and we continue to shake our heads at what he has been able to normalize. He has normalized things that other quarterbacks have yet to do in their careers. Revered quarterbacks have not been able to do some of the things that Patrick LeVon Mahomes has done in two seasons as a starter. He literally has a chance to be the greatest player of all time. There is a chance that 20 years from now, there is a 10-part documentary on him on ESPN. Like, ESPN might as well. Like, you know how they did those Kenny Mayne dub-overs for the commercials on The Last Dance? They should make some real ones right now and start calling their shot. Because my man, it doesn't matter if he's getting paid $60 million, $600 million, $4 million. It doesn't matter. He's winning multiple rings, and there's going to be several parades in Kansas City. That was a small rant. Great question, KC Thief 22. I'm here with the one as well. I think that you should <laughs> not be concerned. Just a subtle response um, there. No, for me, I don't. my concern if the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl this year has nothing to do with the mega contract. I don't believe in the voodoo about if you pay a quarterback, you can no longer win again, so on and so forth. I do think it gets a little bit harder. You have to have luck in other areas. You have to hit on a draft pick or a couple that develop really quickly. You have to get a cheaper free agent. Just think, you know, guys got to come out of nowhere once you start paying a quarterback, but I don't think it's impossible. I think the bigger concern is just, once you lose this one, you start to get up against the kind of legends. Like, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's harder to win multiple Super Bowls. So once you get past this one, this seems like to be, like, odds-wise, this has to be the Chiefs' best chance to win another Super Bowl with the shortened offseason, returning back the almost the entire Super Bowl-winning roster, plus adding some guys to help, just not based on contracts at all. This is going to be their best chance to win another Super Bowl. Missing out on this one, you're like, okay, that's going to suck a little bit, but still, you can't be concerned. 
Patrick Mahomes is better than anybody else in the NFL. Yeah. Um, also a one and Casey Thief 22. I love that there are people like you in this fan base that after 50 years of anguish and not winning a championship that now are asking questions like, so how upset will we be if we don't win a second one? Like, immediately. That's how confident we all are about Mahomes, about the ability for this team to do some damage. I'm not concerned. They gave me a Super Bowl in my lifetime. Like Kent said, they're going to give me multiple more in my lifetime here. So I'm not concerned at all. I just, I, I, I will pay him whatever he wants. Just keep him here, please. They shouldn't have let Kansas City have a Super Bowl so quick. They should not have. We're about to be insufferable. We're about to be oh, the villains. About to be. About to be. You sure about that? About we might to be? We might yeah. already be. People are not happy. Kit, you are a villain. I might be. I'm sure like I'm sure like Broncos Twitter probably doesn't love me. I know Raiders Twitter doesn't love me. And it's just getting started. Just wait. See you easy. Who do you see starting at running back this year? Remember, D. Williams thrived to finish the postseason out. Um, I will go on a large Kent rant. Uh, rant Swanson will come out. the third out. time in this podcast. No, not today. I'm saying like week four, five, if this is a timeshare. If, if the Chiefs go out and they spend pick 32 to, to – let Damian Williams take a bunch of snaps over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm going to be furious. That is a waste of draft capital. I don't care about the long term. When you draft a running back in the first round, you drop him in day one, and you let him go out and play. They need Clyde Edwards-Alaire is better than Damian Williams, by the way. Like he just flat out is. I went out and watched a lot of the routes that Damian Williams was running, and then I went and watched Clyde. As a pass catcher, there is an immediate role for a major impact in the passing game for the Chiefs at the running back position. Yeah, and a major role for the run game, which Clyde Edwards-Elaire is also better yeah. at. I just, I, there's no situation that I can see. Hey, listen, Damian Williams is a good running back in this scheme. Clyde Edwards-Elaire is a potentially great running back being a perfect fit in this scheme. So in that regard, you have to go with the guy that's better give him the reps make defenses have to respect your run game more and then Patrick Mahomes can thrive they don't have to hand the ball off anymore but having that extra threat that guy that can actually do damage on the ground can actually open things up a little more open Andy's playbook up more it, it's just all around better I would also challenge the thrive down the stretch in the playoffs. Like Damian Williams was still averaging good chunk under four yards per carry until that final run of the Super Bowl. Like, yes, it's a fantastic run. He had a better playoffs than he did regular season. He got stronger as the year went on. I'm not doubting that or questioning that at all. It's not like he was carrying the team on the back. It's not like he was an exceptional running back throughout the playoffs. He had a good long run that was a nice run to help cap off, to help seal a Super Bowl that was essentially already over. And that was about it. Besides that, he was under five yards per touch, under four yards per carry. He had that wheel route in the first half of the Super Bowl. That, and I'm not saying you can not nitpick. Like You can nitpick a play for every single player on the Kansas City Chiefs team. But like, there's big plays that he left on the field 
to go along with the big plays he made. And when you look at everything in between, the consistency is simply not there. There's just not a lot there for him to hold on to the starting job. I would be amazed if Damian Williams, especially given his injury history, is the starting running back to start this year. But I mean, by week two, it's got to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a clear running back one to me. I think there's there's a little bit of a perception versus a reality dis- discrepancy between Damian Williams from a fan perspective and Damian Williams, what the Chiefs think about him. Because like, I don't think the Chiefs think poorly of him, but the, the Chiefs also just literally spent their first pick to draft over him. Like that, that is actions speak louder than words. And they went out and used their first pick to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire over Damian Williams. Um, Brandon 422 asks this question. They say everyone has a doppelganger ganger, ganger somewhere in the world. If your doppelganger was in the NFL, past or present, who would they be? Please answer for each other. Maddie, start with me. Who's my doppelganger in the NFL? Going back to Kent being the villain. The <laughs> doppelganger for Kent is young career before he got all scruffy and decided to rile up everybody every single day. Julian Edelman, what? slot receiver for the New England Patriots. When he still kept his beard trim, he still had the, the flowing hair. He was a big brush the hair back to the side guy, only operated within five yards of the line of the scrimmage, thought he was really <laughs> tough. He could have swore he could run a sub 8083 cone, but there was no chance in hell that he could do that. Kent Edelman, Julian Swanson, Put it in Sharpie. Oh, I love Julian Swanson. I love that. I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm just that is like the worst thing. Like that's fantastic. Like great job, Maddie. I hate you. <laughs> oh no, I get to do. I don't want to follow up to that. Like I'm gonna do Craig. I'm going with former Seattle Seahawks punter John Ryan. The leg, the the kicking background, the affinity for the kicking game, and the redness in the hair and facial hair. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, and Craig would probably be a punter if he played football. Uh, oh, definitely. Craig, give us Maddie. Okay. Let's see. I'm still mad about Julian Edelman, by the way. Julian Swanson, say it correct. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking of, you know, Maddie loves early 2000s, you know, hip-hop, rap, music. Yeah. This is fact. Maddie was kind of a, a tweener, defensive end, defensive tackle. Got the short beard and the tall hair. This is JJ Matt over here. That's exactly who I'm looking at on the other end of this video call. JJ Watt is Maddie's doppelganger. Corniness and all. Now that I have some land, I guess I need to go get the axe, start chopping some wood to some Fort Minor and just just let it rip. Get a big oversized tire so you can just sit there and like rap in front of a camera. In the dark. Very organic moment for him. Couldn't even be TJ. Nope. (laughs) Or Derek. Yes, Derek, that would have been even better. Uh, all right. That was oh, no, I just good. Mean, I'd rather be them. That, yeah, that was good, though. That was a good job, boys, uh, except for Maddie, because you suck and I hate you. Uh, Jill Moore, 
How do we feel about fake crowd noise on broadcast? I don't know if we've answered this question, but let's just answer it again. We're going to get it a uh, few times this offseason. Yeah, probably. I've been watching a lot of Bundesliga since it's on, and Saturdays are for soccer right now because it's the only thing on. Uh, sometimes it's done well. Sometimes it's done terribly. And the terrible ones just completely take you out of it. It's not fun to watch at all. All. I would rather it be completely silent, but I don't think the NFL is going to allow that to happen. I don't think that they want the sound of the field coming through your television. You know, I don't think they want that to be the prevalent thing. They want something to mask that a little bit. So I think you're going to have some of it. It's just got to be better than what some of the clubs over there have been doing. It, it's very distracting. It doesn't match with the flow of the game. You know, the timing of everything is off. You've got crowd noise from a home crowd that's just cheering at the top of their lungs after they got scored on. Like, it, stuff like that. They've got to sort all that out because it does just completely remove you from the experience when they do it poorly. Listen, get rid of the fake crowd noise. You just, all you need to do is plug in the tape get J.J. Watt rapping on the tire, just blasting it through the PA <laughs> system. But no, really, I think it was on Therese Paler and Charles Robinson's Yahoo football podcast a couple weeks ago. They just talked about how they would like to see games kind of played like scrimmages in the offseason between two teams, the practice scrimmages, where you get to just play music in the background, like you see at training camp. Get music going. We don't need fake crowd noise. Just let the home team pick music. It's played during normal times, like you obviously can't play it all the time, 24-7 or a certain limit, but like just have background music going on. We don't need fake crowd noise. That adds nothing to the experience. I would rather hear trash talk that might be picked up on a camera between players or background music of some kind. I don't need fake people cheering at random moments that are never going to make sense. I, uh, I wouldn't hate to experiment at least with some crowd noise. Um, I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I'm here for like NBA style potentially. So you get some organ playing, you get some little music bumpers going here and there in between play, something like that. I wouldn't hate something like that to that effect either. I'll play around with it. Maybe you just experiment a little bit. Like you just test with Jacksonville games. You try a few things out with Jacksonville because nobody's watching anyway. Uh, Ryan Rosso asks, the Chiefs were rumored to be pursuing a trade for Earl Thomas before he broke his leg in 2018. If he hadn't and they acquired him, do they do they win the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 53, and what about 54? Yeah, they win Super Bowl 53. Uh, there's not going to be three third and tens completed with Earl Thomas organizing that back end there. I think the Chiefs' defense would be a lot more sound on the back end, and that was ultimately their downfall there. And then, no, they do not win the Super Bowl 54 because Bob Sutton's still here. <laughs> and we don't have Frank Clark. We don't have Tyron Matthew. I, who knows about Juan Thornhill? They may have, you know, paid somebody else. They may have tried to keep, you know, Earl that reportedly they tried to before the season. So I think there's a lot of the key pieces that we all like and that were kind of that catalyst for sharpening up the defense and making sure that everybody was all together and on the same page and the same intensity that they wouldn't have had. Uh, Justin D. Spear, if aliens came to Earth and watched film of every quarterback ever, who would be their top five quarterbacks of all time? They don't know about age, era, rings, etc. Just do top three. I feel like that's a big, big ass to do five right now. Let's just do three since we're kind of going off the cuff. 
I think you're going to get Patrick Mahomes. I think you're going to get Peyton Manning. And I think you would end up with the last one's kind of hard. I'm going to put Aaron Rodgers on there because they don't know about rings. If you're just watching film, like the odds are you're not going to understand everything that he has not been the greatest about. But you just have, you have the physical talents of Rodgers, the physical talents of Mahomes. Peyton Manning just was so good in his prime. Maybe not the same level of physical talent, but everything he did was just so perfect almost all the time. And they, it's it's hard to not know about rings or their ability to win and stuff like that if you're watching, I'm assuming, all the film ever. So I'm just kind of going mostly off of physical traits here. But Peyton Manning was just so good during his prime. I don't think you could keep him out of the top three. I don't think you can either. Dan Marino definitely has a, a claim to that. Dan Marino... Get you know if you haven't watched any Dan Marino tape, go watch Dan Marino play a little bit of football and try and comprehend how they didn't surround him with more talent. That poor dude, like he was incredible. So I think that it's I think it's Marino, I think it's Manning, I think it is Mahomes, just because everything he does is just on a completely different level. I know that sounds like a completely Homer take here, but he's got enough on tape over the past two years, enough wow moments within like the back half of this year to make most quarterbacks highlight reels for their entire career. So he just does so damn much that I think that you can't keep him out of the top three if it's just somebody brand new to the sport. The aliens watch film on Mahomes, get angry and tell him to go back home because he left their planet. Um, I think you got to put Aaron Rodgers in there. I think this I think this question skews for more recency. You know, because I think even like Dan Marino trying to watch him against some of the lesser talent, I mean, it's going to help diminish some of his value. I think Dan Marino would be very good in this modern era. Don't get me wrong. But I think I think it kind of this almost this answer almost skews for, you know, the, the changes in athleticism. Watching him torch a 46 defense that was considered the best ever is not going to do a ton for them. Right. Right. So, like, here's here's a dark horse. Here's a dark horse for you. Russell Wilson. In this area, it. with the I athleticism, I think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put him in there, uh, but I think he's got a better argument because the athletic ability and the way the game is played now. I think as it continues to progress and quarterbacks are asked to do more out of structure, I think that you know these aliens watching football for the first time would be more impressed by some of the things that they're doing out oh, of the pocket. Extra wild I'm not gonna put him Michael there. Vickton. Just for the same exact thing. Like, nobody else would do anything he did. If you're just watching his film, you're going to be pretty darn impressed. And you're going to get the the early Falcons days where he's just outrunning everybody in the world to the Philly days where he could kind of throw someone okay. I don't know. I just think if you're only watching film with no context of what football is, he's someone that's definitely going to pop up for you a little bit more. Yeah, I mean the the aliens. We got to. We're trying to really. We're really trying to figure out the acumen, the football acumen of these aliens. Um, I do go. I do go. Rodgers and Mahomes. It's a toss up. I think Peyton's not a bad answer either, um, because it's just what he watching him play at his peak is just beautiful football. It's just I, I don't disagree with that take either. Uh, cut one. Coach Mickens asked, "Cut one, keep one, trade one. Ryder, LDT, or Remmers." Well, you can't cut LDT because they restructured him and it just, you lose money if you cut him. If you were going to cut him, you would have done it already. So I'm trading LDT because you actually can get out from his contract a little bit from that. In that regard, I, I got to cut 
Ryder, even though there's not another true center on the roster here, I just would rather see what Mike Rimmers has in the tank here. I think that you've seen some up and down play from him. So in that regard, if you can smooth him out, if Andy Reed or Andy Heck can smooth him out a little bit, you might get a heck of a player for a guy that you picked up for basically nothing. I think I would also trade LDT, and I think Craig had a very great answer as to why with the contract thing. I wasn't even considering that. I was just trying to take it as just players base value, but I think that's a good point. You can't really just cut LDT, so I'm trading him. I'm going to go the opposite route, though. I'm going to keep Austin Ryder, and it's not that I think he's a better player than Mike Rimmers because I don't know if I believe that. It's just I'm running it back. The moves the Chiefs have made have been to win a Super Bowl this year. Their goal has been to win a Super Bowl right now, and I think keeping Austin Ryder with some of the continuity he might have with other players on the team gives you a slightly better chance, a slight leg up on that than adding in Mike Rimmers and another new center to the roster at the same time. So I'm at least trying to return one of the starters on the offensive line just based on how the Chiefs kind of played the rest of the offseason. I hate agreeing with a guy that compared me to Julian Edelman, <laughs> but I'm going to go with what, what Maddie just answered as well. Sorry, Julian. Oh, no. I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, all right, well, that is going to do it for this week's mailbag edition I hope you guys all have a fantastic Memorial Day. Uh, hope, hopefully you get to spend some time with your families either online or, or, or together, whatever happens. Uh, just hope you have a great day. And we'll be back on Wednesday with our show, Catch the AP Editor Show on Tuesday. Are you going to Tampa with Tom there, Julian?